When, uh, when I graduated from Bible college after four years of, of study, my head was filled with information about the Bible. And I was ready to pour that out onto an unsuspecting congregation. So uh, when Shirley and I graduated and, and got married, we were sent to Ottawa, where we did our internship there. And for a year and a half, I worked alongside of a pastor in a local congregation, and I watched. I watched him do it. Uh, we went on visits together. I had a few experiences of being able to practice preaching. Uh, we were able to be involved in a number of different things along the way, but, but my job was not to do, but to watch and to learn. And I very quickly learned <clears throat> that even though I had all of this knowledge, all of this Bible knowledge, I knew like zero about pastoring. Because people are, 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 <clears throat> are not books of the Bible. People are people. And, and it took me a while to figure out and make that connection between between. Uh, caring for people in a spiritual sense as Jesus would have us do that and just having all this information in my head about the Bible. Now, no matter what job we have, no matter whatever we've done, we know that, that you know, after you're prepared and you've done all the educational pieces and all of that, when you get out into the field and you start working, you have to learn how to do the job. So maybe you're trained to be a teacher and you're ready to go out and step into the classroom, but you're going to learn as you do. Or maybe you're trained to be an engineer. You're going to learn as you do. Whatever it is, we expect that. We know that there's a training period when you first get going that, that adds experience to the knowledge that you've gained through your educational process. And now you're able to begin to put the two together. This year, as we look at what it is to live lives of love like Jesus, I don't want us just to learn about how Jesus loved. It's to experience it. It's to put it into practice. It's to actually shadow him and apprentice with him so that we can begin to do as he did. It's not enough this year for you and I simply to learn about how Jesus loved. That's not our goal. Our goal is for you and I to love more like him. We started last week by looking at how Jesus loved the Father. This is part two of that message um, where we said this. I began with our conclusion last time. I said an extraordinary life of, uh, like Jesus, a life of faith, hope, and love begins with love for the Father. And today I want to finish that message by adding to it and giving the second part. But last time we said that Jesus loved his Father. His, he showed his love for the Father by doing three things. He lived out his identity. He knew who he was. He believed who the Father said he was. And he lived out of that identity. He embodied the Father's heart. He knew what the Father's heart was like. And he demonstrated. He lived that heart. And he shared that heart. He showed God to people in how he dealt with them. And he fulfilled the Father's purpose and mission for his life. He was on mission his entire life. He knew why he was there. He knew what the Father had sent him to do. And, and even though it was hard, and even though it was, it was challenging, and even though he had all this opposition, both from within his own camp and from outside, he was a person on mission, and he fulfilled his Father's mission. And we ended up with this wonderful verse of John chapter 14, and verse 31, which I read to you, where he says this, the world must learn that I love the Father, and then I do exactly what my father 
has commanded me. How did Jesus know what the Father commanded him? How did Jesus know what the Father wanted him to do? How did he know what the Father was saying to him? That's what I want us to look at today. We want to delve a little bit deeper into Jesus' relationship with his Father. When we think of the life of Jesus and his spiritual life, we naturally go to a couple of passages that point to his prayer life. In Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 4, we read this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. So we're familiar with that. In the context here, in both passages, in both Gospels, the context is Jesus was interrupted. He went off to pray, and then he was interrupted by the disciples coming to find him and saying, what are you doing? There's all these people looking for you. And so there's, there's a little bit of a kind of a, a snippet into the life of Jesus. And as I said last time, um, one of the keys to reading Scripture well is paying really close attention to the details that seem to be kind of inconsequential because they're giving us some insights and some information into who Jesus was and how he lived and how his disciples understood and perceived him. And so the implication here in both Mark and Luke's Gospel is that this was Jesus' regular habit. That his regular habit was to get up early and go off and pray. And on this instance, he got interrupted, and that's what the story is about, is the interruption. It's assumed or presumed that this was his normal pattern. But we're grateful for that insight that the gospel writers put that in because it gives us a glimpse into the fact that Jesus got up early and went off to a solitary place to pray. So we're okay with that. We get that. We understand that. We, we model that. We teach that to one another. Our churches uh, foster that. And we, we talk about having a, a habit of prayer. We talk about spending time with God. We talk about our daily devotionals, our quiet time, and all of these things. So we, we get all of that, and we try our best to practice that. Some of us struggle with that more than others, but this is our common Christian culture. So we look and we see that Jesus did that, and so it makes sense that we would do that as well. But if we really want to go deeper into Jesus' relationship with his Father, we have to go to a place like John chapter 8 and look a little more carefully at how he describes his relationship with his Father. So if you have your Bible or your phone, look up John chapter 8. It'll be on, no, well, actually it won't be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read it, you're going to listen to it. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 12 to 38. And as I read this, I want you to listen carefully to all the different ways in this passage of Scripture that Jesus references or refers to or mentions his relationship with his Father. See if you can pick them out. It's a rather long passage, so so, uh, bear with me. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. Now let me give you a bit of context, because again, what happens when we read these passages is we we jump into into the story, and as we should, so here is where Jesus is is talking to to, uh, the the people around him about who he was, and they're trying to understand and challenging, challenging him a bit, because what he's saying is pretty startling stuff. And he says to them, he says, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. They're basically saying, who do you think you are? And then he says this, Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, 
For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards, I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I'm not alone, I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two people is valid, or two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other, my other witness is the Father who sent me. When they asked him, where is your father? You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. And you indeed, you will indeed be in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, And he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I will tell the world. They did not understand he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I can do nothing on my own but speak just what my father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, then you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my Father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your Father. Now there's a lot in there, and there's a lot going on, and there's a lot that we could talk about, but my purpose in reading that passage was to illustrate Um, a passage where Jesus said so much about his relationship with his father, and I wonder if you heard all of the references. In those verses, there are six different references that Jesus makes to his intimate relationship with his father. Did you pick them out? Did you hear them? You probably heard some of them. Uh, There they are on the screen behind me. He says that he is not alone, that the father is with him. He speaks to the world the things the father has taught him, Things he has heard from the Father. He is not alone and always does the things that are pleasing to the Father. This is the language of presence. This is the language of presence. This is the language of someone who practices the presence of God. Who knows what it is to be in the presence of the Father. And that's what I want to dwell on a little bit. John 8, verse 38, he says, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, 
and you do what you have heard from your Father. We talked last time about how Jesus was fully God and fully human and how difficult it is for us to kind of comprehend that and hold those two in tension. We talked about his birth story and how from the very beginning God was with him in a special way and the grace of God was upon him, absolutely. But he was also you know, an infant and a toddler and a teenager and a young man and all these kinds of things. And he grew more and more and more into his identity as he, as he lived out his faith in what the Father had spoken over him and said to him. He believed in who he was and he lived out of that. And after his baptism and having the Holy Spirit rest on him, you know, completely and fully, and he began his ministry. But what Jesus says here is that he lived in the presence of the Father. And because he lived in the presence of the Father, he heard from the Father. He saw what the Father was doing. He spoke what the Father told him to speak. He responded. He lived his life out of the sense of living in that presence of the Father. Now, where we get confused is we, we, it's easy for us to think that he's talking about his pre-existent state. That, you know, with the glory that he had before he became, you know, a human infant, that he's referring to that. That everything that he knew from the Father when he was in his pre-existent state. But the, the New Testament Greek grammar doesn't allow for that. In Expositor's New Testament Greek... It says that the Greek is present tense and it conveys a sense of Jesus speaking of his present tense experience of being in the presence of the Father. They say this, they say his fidelity to the purpose of the Father secured his perpetual presence with him by his entire self-abnegation, putting himself down, surrendering himself and freedom from self-will, he gave room to the spirit of the Father. I want us to think about that. This is how Jesus lived his life. This is how Jesus lived his everyday life. By surrendering himself, making room for the Holy Spirit, and allowing the Holy Spirit and the Father through the Holy Spirit to lead him, guide him, and work through him. That's how Jesus lived his life. He lived his life in the presence of the Father. He lived his every day, every moment with a conscious awareness of the Father's presence. So much so that what he said was that I don't do or say anything that I haven't seen or received from the Father. He was fully accessible to the Father. The Father was able to do fully through him everything that he intended. He lived a life completely surrendered to the Father. This is what's different in your and my Christian experience. Our desire is to understand what it is to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. What it is to be a people who are spirit-led, who are led by the Holy Spirit. And there is no better example for us than Jesus. We're called to be imitators of Jesus, to become more and more like him. I don't know if you have been, you know, taking on this, this exercise of extra aware uh, that we started last, last week. And if you haven't, you can still join. I hope that you will. It's been interesting over the course of the life of the church here this week to be in different settings and hearing people's phones go off at all different kinds of times at random. Uh, and I know you're going to hear a little bit more about that a little bit later. 
But for me, this week, as I journaled, as I journaled yesterday and, and wrote a little bit about my experience at the end of the first week of this exercise, with my phone set to, to give this alarm every hour, um, my initial reaction at the end of the first week is that it is, it is quite irritating. It's an interruption. Throughout the week, you know, I'd be in the middle of something. I, I, I was teaching, you know, at master class, or I was in a, in, you know, on a, um, working or talking with someone in a, in a, in a, in a meeting, or I, the worst was driving. I hadn't thought of that, you know, and, and I put my phone on vibrate, and the, the timer still went off. I don't know how to work my phone very well. Jim, will, Jim Chan will tell you that. But, so I'm the first experience is I'm driving, and my phone goes off, so I had to break the law. So, you know, I, haven't, I still haven't got a workaround on that one. So if anybody can help me with that after, I'd appreciate that. But, but my, you know, I, I loved it, you know, and, and there were a couple of really cool God moments where it happened. But by and large, it was an interruption and it was mostly irritating. And so I wrote that in my journal because I said, God, this is how I live my life. When you break in, it's an interruption and you're irritating me. It's a place to start. I'm just being honest. You see, because when I do my devotions in the morning and I'm, and I'm over here like Jesus in the morning and I'm up early and I'm spending time in my study and I'm praying and I'm studying and I'm ready to face the day and I go out, guess what I so often do? Guess where I so often leave God? In that room. And the rest of my day, I live fully self-aware and rarely God-aware. And then I wonder why I'm so weak. And I wonder why I have so little faith and why I have so little power in the Holy Spirit. Can any of you relate? That's not living with an awareness of the presence of God. That's not how Jesus lived, and it's not how you and I are meant to live. Jesus lived every moment of his life fully aware of the Father's presence. And you and I are called to do the same. This week, as I do the exercise, I'm adding to it a little bit. So rather than just noticing the interruption, what I'm trying to do, and I did my prayer, right? So, but, but I do my prayer, and I'd be, you know, my father, not mine, but yours. And there I'd go, right? Um, but now, I, you know, this week I, I've, I've settled in and I've said, okay, so this week I want to pause long enough to recognize who I'm with and what's going on around me. And, and I'm not gonna, you'll, you'll hear what the breath prayer for this week is a little bit later. Because I believe that over the course of the weeks I'm going to grow in this experience and I'm also going to grow in, in what, it, what it means to be more aware of the presence of God. We sang hourly. I, I, did you hear that in the song where we said, you know, I need you every hour I need you. Every hour I need you. You sang that. Did you mean it? Did we mean it? Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, there is so much more. There is so much more that God has for you and for me and for this world. But it's in him. It's not in you. It's not in me. 
It's in him. We do need him every hour and every minute of every hour. And Jesus is no, you know, he's the best example that there is. He lived his life in intimate communion with the Father, and this is the result. Look what he says in John chapter 12, verses 49 to 50. He says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to do, or he commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Wow! Not only do I not say anything that the Father hasn't given me to say, but the Father even tells me how to say it. How to say it. He was so dialed into the Father that the Father could direct him fully and completely so that everything he did and everything he said and every, you know, every manner in which he communicated and, and, and was present with his disciples and the people was a reflection of the Father's will and purpose and heart. That's incredible. Now here's the thing. Hear this, please. This is Jesus' example of what it means to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. And this is the first commandment. We're going to go on after this week and talk about the second, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But this is the first To love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. This is who we're supposed to be. This is who God's people are. This is who the disciples and followers of Jesus are. Jesus showed his love for the Father by being always aware of his presence and totally surrendered to his will. That was the example that he set for us. Now you're going to say, along with me, that's great, but I'm not Jesus. Right? I don't have a miraculous birth story. You know, I, I'm not the son of God. I'm not the incarnate son of God. I'm not, I mean, Jesus is in a category all by himself, and that's true. That's absolutely true. He is. But if we're saying that, it could be that we are forgetting or maybe we're not believing what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, where he said, now the, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You and I may not be like Jesus today, but God willing, a year from now, we will be more like Jesus than we are now. That's the, that's the difference. That's the journey. That's the goal. To become more like him. That's what it is to follow him. Not to learn more about him. Not to be able to hold him up on a pedestal and just say, well, there, that's Jesus. Absolutely, we worship our Lord. He is our king. But we are being transformed into his image in ever-increasing glory. And as we said last time, for that to happen, we have to be willing participants. 
We need to be part of what God is trying to do. With every passing moment, you and I are meant to become more like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why an exercise like extra aware is so helpful. Because the goal is to take that knowledge and and drive it from here down into here and outward this way. So that we don't just know, but we, we, we feel and we are and we do as a result. Now, I know these words are really simple. I know it's really clear. I know that you can't be missing my message. But I also know that this is the most difficult message in life to hear. And we don't want to hear it, and we don't want to surrender to it, because we don't want to die to ourselves. We're afraid we're going to lose something in the process. And that fear comes from the enemy. Because the enemy knows that actually God's trying to give us something in the process. He's trying to give us fullness of life. He's trying to give us life in the Spirit. Life as He's always intended it to be. Jesus is called the second Adam. And we who are united with Him are part of of a new human race. No longer merely human, but now Spirit-born, Spirit-led, children of God, part of the new humanity. And that new humanity is a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led humanity. That's what you and I are are called to be a part of. That's what God wants to give us and what God wants to do for us. So this is what it is to love God. As we move on to how Jesus loved others, let's not forget this part because it is the source of all else. It is out of our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that everything else flows. This series is not about you and I going out trying to do more in our own strength or trying to be better in our own strength. No, no, no. This is about you and I becoming God-aware and God-focused so that He can do more through us and He can do better through us and He can do greater things through us. Because you don't have what it takes and neither do I. But Jesus does. And the Holy Spirit is so, so ready to give us more of Jesus. Are we ready to receive? Let's pray. Father, Abba Father, dear, dear Father, um, how you love us. It's so great to get together and sing your praises. You are worthy of all of our praises. It's so great to get together and think of Jesus, our Savior and our King and our Lord. He is so worthy of all of our devotion and praises. And it is so great for us to be in the presence of your Holy Spirit, to welcome, ask, and invite your Holy Spirit to to work out this work of transformation, to make us more like Jesus. And we ask, Lord. And where we're struggling to ask, give us the desire to ask. Where we're fearful, overcome the fear. Help us to absolutely and totally surrender to you so that you can do in and through and for us all that you want. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Forgive us, Lord, we don't know what we're praying. 
Because it's not our version of your kingdom or our version of your will. It is our surrendering so that you can bring your kingdom and you can accomplish your will. It is in losing our lives that we find it. It is in dying to ourselves that we come to life. Lord, that just doesn't make sense to us from a human perspective, but it does through the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, even now, in the stillness of this space, set us free. Allow the truth of your love and your desire for us to sink deeply into our hearts. No more playing at games. No more learning about you. Give us deep, deep, deep in the desire of our hearts the desire to be like you. And you will do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.